You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, yes, and welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian Leverson. With me, as almost always, a man whose post-shot expected placement is never on the floor of the bar. It's Harrison Crow, everybody. Say hey, Harrison. Very high. It's very high. (laughs) Uh, Listen, uh, for our listeners here that are seeing this podcast pop up in their feed as the second such podcast this week and are wondering what that's all about... um, we have a bonus episode for you. It should be in your feeds already. Uh, really, really interesting conversation between Jared Young, who uh, filled in for Harrison for a couple weeks ago that you probably recognize, and uh, Jamie Hamilton, who's a soccer coach and uh, writer for These Football Times. Um, it's just a really cool conversation, and it didn't really fit the format of this program, but I didn't want to keep it away from you guys. And if we ever have an opportunity to do things like that in the future, uh, I think it's cool. Um, so, you know, ignore it if you want, but I, I recommend giving it a listen. And uh, definitely a, a special thanks to, to Jared and uh, Jamie Hamilton uh, for doing that. It, it was really was a treat to listen to and put that thing together. So uh, that is what is going on with that. Uh, but now, back to the stuff you're here for, the Ian and Harrison show. We know that. Uh, <laughs> it's really dangerous to name it such. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the subtitle. Uh, you know what we should do to start this uh, week's episode off, Harrison? <sighs> what do we do every week? Oh, interesting stat. Let us do the interesting stat. That's who you're getting at, I assume? That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> this week's interesting stat of the week was brought to you by Eric Walcott. Uh, who says, perhaps the most stunning thing to me in analysis of Valve's data is that Giassi Zardes is in the top five among forwards for unassisted shot rate at 30%. Hmm. And he also wanted me to add, tell Union fans it's not Sapong's fault they're bad. So there you go, Union fans. You've been chastised by Eric Walcott. Not me. Uh, Harrison, what, what's, what's, what makes this stat so interesting? Um, no, number one, usually we don't see... Uh even with Fords that have these high uh, solo ratios, um, most of the time we see that associated with attacking midfielders. Uh, just mostly that's where they're positioned uh, very keenly around uh, possession turnovers. So you're seeing most of the time these uh, attacking midfielders such as, and, and Sebastian Javinko is probably a bad example because he's classified as a four, but it's more like as a false nine. So he gets these uh, quick turnovers or he's part of those uh, possession changeovers and then he takes a quick shot. Um, you know, there's uh, Miguel Almiron is perfect. He's a perfect example, actually, because he's really high up there in the solo rankings as well. So, uh, I mean, he's part of that quick possession change and he makes a, maybe a couple dribbles and finds some open space and takes a quick shot. So it turns, uh, most of the time you just don't see that with these um, with these forwards. Uh, this list that uh, Eric kind of mentions is Carlos Rivas, Christian Ramirez, Justin, uh, Jason Vargas, uh, Neyman uh, Nikolic, and then, uh, of course, Zardes, um, who has, quite honestly, has the most shots out of all of them. So, and of those five, he actually has the most taken on his own as well uh, with 13. So, uh, if you look at those 13 individual shots that are unassisted, they come across uh, from nine different games. So, he's just racking up rebounds from one game. They Mm. really come from a whole um, kaleidoscope, if you will, from uh, nine. So, um, one comes from a penalty, two come from set pieces, 10 total come across open play. So, these are definitely, he's getting these from different situations, different scenarios, and uh, it's really interesting. Um, I dug this actually a little bit deeper, and he has five successful dribbles in the attacking third. So, majoritively, these are coming off of uh, rebounds. Yeah, so the uh, when we're talking about unassisted goals here, just to, ex- or unexpected XG in this case, just to explain, uh, that's anything that is not a pass essentially like it's not receiving a pass and then shooting it, it, it we see them a lot you mentioned penalties are a very obvious one uh taking free kicks direct free kicks would be another one i guess 
Correct. Yeah. And so direct free kicks, you know, you're obviously <laughs> it's a dead ball scenario. <laughs> right. And so when we say he has two, for example, on set pieces and he's not taking those set pieces, I don't believe. Um, I can't recall him taking a free kick ever. Um, you know, what we're looking at is just kind of picking up a ball that's loose in the box, I think. And Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Just so everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. So uh, the, you mentioned a couple of those game state uh, scenario, uh, game state, more game situationals uh, mm-hmm. on how he's doing it. So most of it, as you said, yeah. Um, another one is dribbling. And that's one of those things that we'll see from open play. So while we see, like we talked about with Almiron being part of that transition of a turnover and going over, uh, changing possession now from the opponents to your team, Almiron can dribble. Zardes is also uh, dribbling, but he's dribbling a lot less. So mm-hmm. it's really coming off of rebounds. That's the majority of where these, and loose balls in the box. He's just, not to say that um, he's being lucky and that he's not good at getting shots off of them, but he just happens to be in the right scenario. I don't know if you're going to continue to see this. It's probably not um, indicative of future results. However, that being said, um, it'll be something to watch, right? Mm. The uh, the English have a term for this kind of player, and I love it because it's so quintessentially English, but they call that, 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 that type of player a fox in the box. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I mean, and that's kind of what Greg Berhalter has kind of, um, you know, we talk, <laughs> the, there's the Greg Berhalter, uh, the goal whisper, the striker whisper, whatever you want to call him. But I mean, that's kind of what they all do. However, you know, you look back at Ola Kamara, Ola Kamara's uh, solo ratio was at peak 16%. Um, what's really interesting is that this kind of um, mirrors Zardes 2015. Um, in which he put up uh, about 26%. And that was his really last successful season uh, with LA Galaxy. Uh, mm-hmm. 2016, 2017, both were really down years, really not very good years. Um, it was the last season that he had almost, he had 2,500 minutes, which is the most he's had since. Um, so it, it's, I think it's very indicative of him having a strong season um, going forward just being very aware, being very diligent, although you're seeing that his average distance for a shot uh, is actually the lowest that it's ever been. So again, more indication that he's just kind of hanging around that goal. And as, you know, guys like Nico Hansen, Federico Higuain, um, Pedro Santos continue to pepper uh, the goal with shots, he's going to be in and around just to be prepared. Not only is he going to take a shot, but he's also going to uh, jump on any loose balls. You know, this is kind of an interesting thing because I think had we thought about this, and I'm sure a lot of people did, obviously no one that works in the Los Angeles Galaxy organization, you know, this could have been discovered pretty easily that maybe the place we need to keep Chances artists is just right near that goal uh, because he is quick. Uh, you know, he, he's not fantastic in possession. I don't want to get into the whole no first touch meme thing, but, but you know, it... There's a reason there's that that narrative, uh, you know. But but he's very very quick uh, and, and and physical. Like I think this is exactly the kind of role he was he was always going to thrive in. And I guess maybe somebody should have figured that out sooner. Maybe. Well, yeah, but I mean, you think back to when he uh, when he signed his homegrown player deal and him going on, you know, MLS Super Draft and talking about my skills. You know, obviously that has been kind of been a meme and in and of itself yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. really him right yeah. but I, I think coming out from the very beginning we expected him to have a little bit more pace to have and he has been you know he has been somebody that has a little bit more space uh i say space uh pace but at the same time um he came in so young that he pretty much just took his cue from those older guys you know robbie Keane, landon donovan uh mm-hmm. gerard these guys just kind of told him what to do where to be at and not to think i mean it's kind of it's reminiscent to uh jordan morris in his last uh, maybe six months of being healthy to where he just basically did what clint dempsey and nico ladero told him to do he really stopped kind of thinking on his own and you see him just kind of almost questioning everything he's doing. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Um, Zardes, since moving over to Columbus, has 
almost doubled the amount of shots he takes in a game. Um, he's over three right now, which is yeah. huge. And he's, he's, he's basically doing things that he had shown glimpses of, but he's been basically given the freedom. He is the attack now, which he never was with LA. And I don't think he ever was going to be in LA. No, definitely not. Absolutely not. And, uh, ironically seems to be outperforming both, uh, Ola Kamara and, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So, We'll see how that how that looks at the end of the season. But right now, uh, Columbus is obviously looking uh, very smart on this whole uh, exchange. Um, yeah. So uh, we talked about uh, we got Rivas, Ramirez, Vargas, Nikolic, and Zardes this year. Uh, last year, do you have those numbers? I'd be curious on a bigger. Yeah, so uh, I went ahead and, and compiled a list of last year's top five uh, solo for forwards. Sebastian Giovinco, Freddie Montero, Giovinco De Santos. Uh, Giovanni. <laughs> Giovanni, Giovinco. Uh, and I'm <laughs> reading fans it. Wish. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading it right off the list and I can't yeah, even read. I, uh, yeah, no, that's a player. Tor- Eric Torres is number four and then uh, Nacho Piatti uh, at number five. Number five. Okay. None of those surprised me. What's kind of what's kind of interesting about those about that grouping though is that you have two of those and Freddie Montero and Torres who have of course moved on from their team and then the other three kind of are uh, rumors swirl about on where the, those three might land. Yeah, I guess we have had some weird trade conversations or transfer discussions, and you know we're getting to the part of the year where this is going to be pretty normal uh, and you're going to hear all of the players on your team be linked with other places and blah, 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 you know. But uh, I don't know. Something about these particular rumors I, I think really kind of struck me as, I don't want to say credible, but but more interesting. Uh, certainly the Piatti one because, you know, it came from Joey Saputo himself, so it's, it's really hard to deny that one. That's... <laughs> isn't that interesting? Like, I, yeah. I don't... I don't quite know what to do with that and furthermore i don't know of course everybody starts pointing okay where where does he fit but the the more interesting question to me and especially on the heels of another rumor we'll talk about here in a second is does it make sense to sell him internally to mls versus selling him out the door to another team what is going to give you the most resources for rebuilding this Montreal Impact team, which obviously they're in the middle of trying to do. Yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting one in particular because, uh, you know, Sefito's comments on this were somewhat, I'd almost, I, you know, I, I, admirably candid. Um, and I, I do appreciate, you know, his, uh, you know, pragmatism here, which is that, like, this team isn't going to win anything with or without Ignacio Piatti. And... Uh, it, it makes sense at a time like this to say, like, well, he's still an asset that has some value. If I keep him for another two or three years, that's gone. Um, and at the same time, you know, like, it, he's such a phenomenal player that, that, you know, mind just boggles thinking of how he'd fit on some of these other attacks that, uh, you know, are already strong or, or, or in need of somebody like this. Um, it, it's hard. Like, I think if you could get a player... Um, a young player back that has a lot of potential, and this would have to be a, a very blue chip prospect. Um, uh, you know, I think that would be extremely valuable to Montreal. Uh, but otherwise, I, I think you're obviously going to get more financial gain uh, if you don't use, if you sell them outside of the league. Um, but then again, how much is allocation money worth? I mean, that's just kind of it, right? You're not going to get very much in terms of allocation for him. I think you get. You might not even get uh, the max, the quote unquote max amount, right? Because um, of the years that they, he's been costing them, there there's some sort of formula. And forgive me, I kind of forget what the what that formula is. But there's a formula that basically tells you, based upon how much you paid versus how much you get for him, is how much allocation you get in return. And, w- and I don't think that you're really going to get it. So I feel like while it's kind of like shooting yourself in the foot. You almost get more allocation. And look, I, I think that Montreal's, if I'm Montreal, that's probably what I want is more allocation for Piatti at this point. 
uh, if I'm Joey Saputo, I can make up costs. Yeah, uh, if this, uh, if this he's is got, a he's thing, got money. Yeah, this and is I don't want to make that sound like he's got endless resources, but right. he's. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously able to go and get a couple different players, right? He seems like he's very interested in investing in the Montreal Impact as a soccer team. Um, I, I don't think we could say that about all owners. So in this particular case, if you want something that's the most valuable to the Montreal Impact um, and not the most valuable to Joey Saputo personally, uh, I think you do look to move him for a, a, a player, uh, a young player and some, 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 a nice stack of, of, of MLS money. The question is, though, like, who is that? Like, who in MLS has allocate has about seven figures left of allocation left? I mean, that probably rules out Atlanta. It rules out both L.A. teams. Well, maybe not both L.A. teams. Certainly rules out the Galaxy. Um, you know, it would be really interesting to know where Houston's at. Uh, yeah, I think Houston probably is doing very well on that. Um, I didn't look. I looked at Steve Fenn's chart, which we can at, at stat hunting. He uh, he keeps tally of the stuff as best as one can. Um, the ones that come to my mind are I think DC United has a lot, um, and they might be looking. I mean, depending on what happens with Rooney, like that's the kind of piece that would be very attractive to them. And I think they do have younger players that they could potentially shift off to Montreal um, as well. I think that that would be. I don't know. Not super forward thinking of them, but but I, w- I wouldn't have a problem with that move. Yeah, the question is whether or not um, you have any. So I mean, like, if you're DC, let's just say, who are I mean, who can you really package up? Yeah, you have some nice pieces in Paul Ariola, but how is Paul Ariola really valuable to Montreal? How is? Oh, I think more like I'm thinking more like Ian Harks, like that kind of like they have some goodish young players that you know probably could use. <laughs> yeah, Chris Durkin. Well, I mean, like, let's let's just say what it is, right? Like they've got to move Durkin at some point. Either they're going to play him, which it doesn't look like they are. Um, I mean, I know he's gotten some recent minutes, but I think that's more circumstantial of their situation than it is um, how they view him as a prospect. And from what I from what I've seen, he's done pretty well. But that doesn't seem to change their their approach, which uh, I mean, that's going to they're going to lose value so much value in Chris Durkin if this if this continues on. So maybe a Chris Durkin and change works for somebody like Piotti. That being said, I don't know. I kind of see, and look, this is where you and I diverge. Um, I, I see Rooney as being a 10. I see him as, I don't see him as a nine. I, I think he can, I think he can have some nine ish. I, I think he's probably going to be a lot like Javinko. He's going to be a nine false nine. In my opinion, Drifting into ten occasionally, depending on the circumstances, and having Piotti out on the wing with Rooney—I mean, that that immediately that attack gets a whole whole lot better. Um, and yeah, like we should say with Durkin, I mean, like yeah, if Durkin's still playing at DC United in four years, I think somebody's messed up, right? Well, I, I don't think necessarily think someone's messed up. I mean, if he's still playing, if he's still there, yeah. it means he's playing, right? I mean, intrinsically, because what they have. Another eight, I think they have 18 months left of it uh, on his contract, which uh, I mean, they're not going, I mean, they have to make a move in the next either this window or next, otherwise, they pretty much lose him. So, I mean, is Dirk and somebody that can that help Montreal? Does that, does that give them a, a... I mean, if he's not going to stay at DC long term, like why is he going to stay in the Montreal Impact long term? Oh, and that's a great question, right? Uh, the the I think you have to have a conversation with the player, and I think that anytime you, it's similar to like when LAFC uh, traded for Laurent Simon, right? They had everything in place. They knew what they had had discussions with them. They knew of his family situation. They knew of how everything was going to work. I think likewise that has to be that that. Uh, investment. Hey, Chris, we're bringing you in. You are the central midfield going forward. This is what we're, you are part of what we're building around. You, Vargas, you know, whoever else, 
whomever else they, they end up uh, acquiring, this is what we're, we're building towards. I, I think it makes a lot of sense considering uh, uh, while I think Montreal's not hesitant and we just talked about injecting funds into their, uh, into their team, I think that they continually are trying to get younger. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a good strategy. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it can be. It's not be. working out for them, but it's a well, good strategy. It can be, right? So, I mean, there's two, there, there's multiple different facets and, and way to build, ways to build your team. I think that they want to continually start working out of their uh, development team. Uh, I really think that that's something that they want uh, from everything that they speak and they say, and then supplement that with um, basically players that they can get from uh, Bologna or from wherever else that they can um, acquire them in Syria, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so um, that seems to be kind of how they're they're leaning towards. Um, you, you look at Dallas. Dallas obviously has their own ethos on how they're going to build their team, which is they're going to basically build it with homegrown players and import um, whatever they can via the Latin market, um, where it's affordable and financially viable for them. Seattle's kind of constantly looking to um, find pieces that fit, um, they're going to, they're not necessarily looking young. They're not looking old. They're looking for the right pieces. Um, and I, I think that that's a little bit of a different take on it. The Galaxy are looking for brand. I mean, that's that's been their, their step, right? <laughs> they're looking for brand. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and, it is their way. They tried to go, they tried to go, go young one year and did not, did not break well for them. Well, that's that's they it. Sort I think, of did, yeah. I mean, one, one day we're going to have a thirty for thirty on that, and it's going to. I'm going to watch. Yeah, I mean, I hope that you're the one making it because I'm sure no one else is going to be interested in doing that. Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I honestly would look. Yeah. Uh, you know, you at, at a certain point in time, I would really like to know what the thought process was behind. And, and we're totally way off course at this stage. I apologize, <laughs> but I would really like to know what was the thought process. What was the evaluation process that said, "Hey, these kids can go forward," and then they didn't even give all the kids time. They it was like, "Here's here's 180 minutes. Prove to me that this will work," which is crazy. Um. And I think it's really interesting. It leads into like Orlando uh, picking up like Villarreal and then as well as uh, Sacramento picking up the other one, which I'm really kind of cursory like watching on the side. So yeah, it's you'd have to do a 30 30, uh, 30 for 30 of what happened, Mm -hmm. the process for it, and then what happened afterwards. You know, a 30 for 30 does a podcast now. So this could be us. We could just slide right in there. Maybe maybe next off season we will just uh, we we could we could sit there and we could no seriously like just go through and talk with some of the uh, some of the different reporters and just come yeah. up with our own story of how yes, it all came yes. together a verbal a very a verbal history of yeah, that, of that, there you of go. that disastrous season. All right, so we got Piotti. Uh, you know that's an interesting situation to look at. I don't know. Uh, I wish I could like come up with a good prediction for it. I know Matt Doyle on Twitter said, uh, I thought this was a really interesting idea. Columbus Crew would be kind of a fun destination for him. Uh, maybe sending over a booba car and some money. Um, that would certainly suit Montreal very well Here, there, here's, too. Here's my issue with that, though. That defense is, like, the difference right now in Columbus versus any other iteration of Greg Burhalter is that defense is so much better. That's true. You would be giving up, yeah. And at this point in time, that's what I think is the differentiator. It's not necessarily that they have a guy that's scoring goals or a a, a dynamic attack. They've traditionally had that under Burhalter. What they have now is a really solid back line that allows that dynamic attack to exist. Beforehand, they were doing it at the expense of. Now they're doing it in conjunction, and it looks... Rather beautiful. I, I would, be, I for one don't want them to continue to experiment. I think they got Mike Grilla hel- healthy. They don't need anything else. Sorry to inf- infringe upon your brand. That's true. Well, I do appreciate that. Yeah, and so I, I, I don't know. It is an interesting situation. It's hard to see kind of a team that has the 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 hole in their lineup for him. 
um, that isn't sort of pushing out one of their other already strong players, even though that player might not be as strong as Piotti. Um, I don't know, Philadelphia, they got some young kids they could probably move. Uh, they just spent a lot of money on a combo, and that hasn't really worked out. I'd feel bad for Piotti if he had to go to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just said it, it, it's not Sapong's fault. It's and, not Sapong's fault. I don't think that it is. I think that it's really interesting because when we did the uh, going back to the last segment where we looked at mm-hmm. the different solo shots by forwards, if you actually look at the midfielders and attacking uh, midfielders, you have three different Philadelphia players in the top 10. I don't understand what's happening. I just don't I think that's I, I honestly that's that kind of sums it up for me a little bit. Anyway, Philadelphia will get there someday. I believe in them. I still do. It doesn't matter how many times they let me down. I believe in them. I believe they're going to do it. Go sign Piotti. Go do it. Just do it. I, I think Minnesota would be a hell of a. Oh yeah, in. Minnesota would be really interesting too, um, especially with Quint, uh, Darwin Quintero. I mean, we'll just be getting another wide player, but it... it well, Quintero is really settled in on at that 10 position, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, I just leave him, leave him there. Um, and then you, you put, uh, you know, Piotti you there on the outside. On one side, yeah. A bar on Piotti kind of flanking him. That's Christian Ramirez up front, or Don Lotti. That's... Or Alexi Gomez is an interesting... Yeah, there's, they, they, that would be an interesting attack, to be sure. Um, again, I think you're just kind of throwing... I, <laughs> to buy another player in that position, it would definitely be an improvement. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, it'd be a significant improvement. But you've just bought Alexi Gomez. You know, it's two games into that. Uh, maybe you want to see how he settles for a few months first. I mean, we still got a couple weeks before this is even a realistic thing. So, um, I don't know. Well, all right. So, here's one last one. All right. One last one against the wall. They need a number 10. Chicago. Do I want to put Piotti in that lineup? They definitely have young. I mean, they definitely have probably a couple no, forget players. About, forget about your your necessity to to please this this player that you don't have any association with. I cannot. Does he make Chicago better? And does that fit for the lineup that they're trying? This this. Uh, Kind so of thrown gonna, together team. I mean, they're supposedly so in gonna, talks for, for Fernando uh, Torres. Torres, which... yeah. So you're gonna put him at. You're gonna just gonna put him at the ten. Hi, Nikolic and Torres. Well, I mean, if you if you got that, you probably are going to have to do some sort of quasi four four two. So yeah, you maybe you put him at the diamond. Put He's gonna run there on the backs on the back, and then put uh, make you know. Uh, McCarty, one of the shuttlers. Boy, that would be old school. I'd like to see that. I mean, I'd be cool with that. That would be an interesting thing. Chicago is kind of a place for uh, DPs to wind up, so that <laughs> maybe might be interested. Um, That's so mean. I know, but uh, and you know, actually, uh, Nelson Rodriguez today just announced a uh, analytics first approach to scouting outside talent. So, yoo-hoo. Maybe I'm we're, really maybe interested we're, as to what that exactly maybe means. Yeah, I have no idea what so, that means. So maybe like, we're about to be Chicago ambiguous. fans. Use it on Piotti. Use it on Piotti. Tell you us. Know, maybe, Tell maybe, us. Maybe they secretly hired Kevin uh, Minkus. Do you maybe think they, they did secretly hire. They might have done that. I mean, that would it, Minkus would be <laughs> like the best play, best person to put in that front office. I honestly think they could plug him in, and he would be exactly what they needed. Yeah. Like honestly, forget about pl- uh, hiring or trading for Piotti. Hire Minkus. Like, Hashtag seriously. Minkus to Chicago. Hashtag Minkus to Chicago. There All you right. go. A um, couple other rumors. Let's let's hit these a little quicker than we did Piotti. I know we both have a special interest in Piotti, so we kind of got got lost in a fanciful uh, line of hypothetical thinking there, which I love. Uh, the other guy we're looking at here. Um, I don't know. I, I is this even real? Like I, I kind of. Giovanni Dos Santos is just I, I I don't who who would want Giovanni Dos Santos like I, if you were gonna move him which I don't know if that's in Los Angeles Galaxy's best interest except maybe cap space wise they could definitely stand to bring in some help on defense I know Jeff Cameron's coming in I mean uh, it frees up a DP spot if nothing yeah. else and I think uh, 
I know people are like, oh, but you can't separate him from his brother and stuff like that. Honestly, I think that if LA had the absolute, like if Siggy Schmidt could pull the tri- trigger, like, hey, you, you don't have to take anything. It's kind of like a nerd league trade, right? Like so many yeah. times we just want somebody off our books. I think if somebody just wanted to take him off of Siggy Schmidt's hands, they would probably let him walk for free at this moment. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, he obviously has very likely uh, a no trade clause. So I, I don't think that that's a realistic option to see him moving in league. Uh, and even if somebody but, wanted but him. Let's, let's say if he did. I mean, look, you're asking me who would want him. 2017 was the only year he's a below average attacker. But he has the same problem there that he has anywhere else. Like, he just doesn't really fit in that lineup. Like, who's using this false kind of nine guy? Uh, a ton of teams right now. Okay. I mean, like, like, let's. I mean, Toronto for mean? one. Yeah, but Toronto's got plenty of good players there. They don't need Giovanni uh, Santos. Okay, granted, but what I'm saying is, it's it's not as if it's tactically, you know, out of style. It's all right. But you have you and to to your point, you, you have need a to very already, special. You need you a very special to player that. to play that role. And most teams that are playing that will already have that guy. And do you want Correct. to replace that guy with Giovanni Dos Santos? Probably not. If, if, totally fair enough argument. My, uh, I would just say, looking at the at what we have in front of us, he's obviously shown. Like 2017 was the only year that he really wasn't "quote unquote" good. Yeah, but I don't think he's. I mean that's fair. I mean he ha- he's had a couple of good years. It's just that I don't I don't see him as someone that is he he's, guy, like, he's not aesthetically pleasing and he does a lot of things that that irritate the fan in the eye <laughs> in general which uh, you know we can dispute whether or not he's a holistic player. I think that's a very easy conversation to probably be had. However, you just look at it, does he improve your attack? Yes, he does. I mean, I think Honestly, I just don't see it. Like, I, I don't see this as a move that LA can make. I don't. I don't see a lot of teams jumping to bring him on on the DP slot. I, I think with the market opening, um, you know, they will have other targets in mind. This would be an interesting fallback option, maybe for some teams. But I don't know. I would be surprised. I think G- Giovanni Dos Santos is going to be in LA until his contract runs out, and that's just going to be that. Yeah. No. I, I think that's a pretty good summation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last rumor that's kind of, kind of floating around and is probably the most interesting uh, to people that aren't uh, me, uh, who is uh, naturally obsessed with Piatti, is uh, Givinko, of all players. Uh, you know, it's been a kind of... There's been a lot of talk. He said some things publicly that normally players don't say unless they're very frustrated with the way a situation is going, and it's about you know uh, a contract extension. And uh, he obviously wants one. Uh, he obviously feels like he deserves one. I think it's extremely hard to argue he doesn't. Um, but at the same time, you know he is uh, 31 years old. Uh, he'll be 32 soon. That's uh, ancient in soccer terms. He's old. It's old man Wayne Rooney. And, Piotti's 33. Yeah, but Piotti is uh, ageless uh, because of uh, the, the magic Move in on. his feet. Move yeah. on. Uh, Move on. <laughs> uh, so I can also see Toronto's side of things. Like, well, you know, we're going to, we're probably not going to get the same Javinko that we bought, uh, you know, a few years ago for the next few years. Uh, they're obviously not shy about spending in money on bringing in talent. Um, and uh, they might think that with a long-term view of the franchise that maybe it's good to cash in on Giovinco right now while he still has some value. It's the same situation we had with, um, you know, that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, then it will be, um, you know, in a couple of years when essentially he'll just be an old guy that, you know, we're kind of just continuing to sign on one year, um, you know, options. So it's... <laughs> Here's the thing, Here's the though. Thing. Yeah, okay. I want to... Let me go first. Go, go ahead. I... Saying all of that about Toronto and understanding why there might be some impetus to move on from Javinko, it needs to be said that moving on and getting rid of Sebastian Javinko is the craziest thing I could ever think of for Toronto FC to do. 
Here, okay, so here's my thing. The difference in Piotti versus Giovinco, Giovinco has a skill set that will allow him to continue to be successful beyond after his uh, basically his high-end speed. I, and he doesn't have elite speed, but he has differential speed, if that makes sense. Right. If but I could describe, gonna... he has separation speed. Piotti and him have similar skill sets. I think legitimately Giovinco has a different skill set that enables him to create space for himself that Piotti doesn't always seem to have. That's the difference. If you were to take Piotti, put him on Toronto, take Giovinco, put him on Montreal, the, there are not the same results. And I think Giovinco is just one tier higher than Piotti when it comes to that. And I think that's the difference between not being worried about Giovinco getting old and I think Giovinco is going to have a skill set that will be able to enable him to play effectively into his mid-30s. Piotti, this, he might be at the very last year of his quote-unquote good years. He's still looking pretty good. We can debate that all, all you want. That's the, we can have that debate another time. <laughs> yeah, Giovinco ha- is without a doubt, without argument the best free kick taker probably with certainly within mls probably within Concacaf. yeah probably i mean that's and after being handed by uh toronto uh tigris has got to be somewhat interested right I mean, that's that's like, well, they want to have the best player in CONCACAF. That's what it kind of looks like. And they're willing to give you a guy that's younger, has still some untapped potential, though at 27, you're probably, you're pro- he probably is what he is. Um, that being said, Toronto's really good about squeezing that 99%, that, that, that very last uh, percentile out of you. And I think they're going to put him in position to succeed. Additionally, you look at where Greg Vanny is tactically kind of gone, and he's he's continually starting to uh, to dance towards this four four two. And even when he doesn't, I mean, Altidore's Altidore's kind of getting. I don't want to say he's getting old, but he, his hamstring problem is becoming a bigger issue, and will continue to be a bigger issue for the next few years. It's going to be. Those don't go away magically. They get worse with age. Right. And so that's got to be in the back part of your brain as well. And that we have to... Tossin Ricketts has been amazing. I can't believe what they've been able to get out of him uh, for basically for free um, over the last few years in lieu of Josie Altidore. They need somebody uh, that's going to basically step in. And... The other side of it is you got Agar Akeche, who's been just amazing playing with the Toronto C team. Like yeah, he's been, the, he's been the piece that's somehow lit. And what's crazy about it is if you look at his statistical profile, and I mean statistical profile, and not uh, what he's. Not the results-based analysis, not the goals, but mm-hmm. looking at uh, what his volume is, what type of shots he likes to take, how frequently he takes those, uh, how what he likes to do, his propensities, right? Yeah. He lines up really well with Giovinco, and he's a lot younger. I kind yes. of wonder if – and I said this – kind of offhanded a few weeks ago on Twitter and it really didn't get any uh, engagement and I'm kind of at the time I was kind of glad because I was like that was probably a crazy thought but <laughs> he reminded me a lot of Giovinco basically a baby Giovinco if I if I might uh, there are a lot of traits that I think that uh, you might just throw a catch out and and Maybe he gets you something 75% of the way there. And, you know, you're not investing $4 million now in Giovinco. Maybe with some of that extra cash, you go and you use that uh, youth transfer fee, uh, fund now and you go and bring in another, uh, like, 19-year-old DP. 
with that extra money. I, I don't know. I'm spitballing here, but yeah, it's... I, I, I don't, I see both sides of it. I see holding on to Giovinco long-term, but I also see maybe leveraging him because this team's deep. And I don't think it's that crazy to maybe want to uh, say, okay, well, you're 31. If you want, really want to move on, that's okay with us. We're going to leverage that into the best case scenario for us. And we have, we already have kind of game planned. Um, and it, I don't want to say they've game planned that, but they definitely fell into a very talented young Spaniard that I think has probably the ceiling to be um, a very good MLS player. Maybe There's... not elite, but very good. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine. But if we're talking about baby Javinko and if he's going to replace Javinko, you know, he's going to have to be elite. That's Javinko is the does, definition. Does he? Yes, if because you, if, you, if, you're no, if, you're not, if you're getting yes. more than seventeen games out of Josie Altador, if you're getting basic, if you're basically getting thirty plus games from uh, a Josie Altador stand-in and seventy-five percent Giovinco now because you traded one player, I mean that's come on, you're getting you're getting twice the value here. You're talking about a team the last year. Won the Supporters' Shield, set a points record, all that. Got to the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. And you're like, let's maybe blow up the most important part of that just to see what I'm, happens. I'm not saying blow it up. I'm, I'm saying you look at what your options are. If your player wants a new contract and you that's think fine. that that's not going to be a value of, uh, for you going forward, that that's not a good move for the future of your organization, you take the very best Situate, you make the very best of that situation. The Seattle Mariners traded Ken Griffey Jr. at the height of his prowess and came and very luckily, and I don't saying by any means that this was a good process, but they very luckily came away with the better end of the deal. Yeah, and uh, you know, looking Seattle Mariners are a team well, that you definitely want to emulate as far as it's, it's not. Again, this is not necessarily the process you want to emulate, and it was very, it was luck. Uh, infused but at the same time I don't I think that there's a lot of different case scenarios you can look back and say where people thought that they were crazy for having to trade those players and they made the very best uh, of that situation that they were in and yes. they leveraged it okay into I, I get you positive yes. and, and I see this you get inner Valencia and he's not a bad young player. He, and I say young, he's 27. He's, you know, in the prime of his career, he's got elite speed. And that's yeah. elite world speed, not elite MLS speed, elite well, world I, speed. Okay, for, first of all, that's that swap trade thing is probably something that that's mostly made up by the reporter or it, okay but like even are rarely yeah like deals don't usually get structured like that internationally it's very unusual to have player swaps so i would be very shocked if that was part of some deal um i think without valencia uh, it doesn't matter you just go get another guy or whatever that that's fine i'm sure toronto has uh, i prospects. i don't know but here's the thing here's the thing do you just sell him if all you're getting is maybe maybe market value i mean if that's if you want if to you're it. getting a player the, see part of this part of me saying that this is you know i'm okay with this is knowing what player you're getting if you're just saying magically we're going to roll we're just going to spin the wheel and get it you know player x from argentina yeah there, there's a process, and, and not to in any way bring doubt upon you know Toronto's uh, recruitment division, which has been phenomenal the last two years. Yeah, I'm um, sure they've got guys sticking too. Yeah, I, I mean, be, I'm saying like, I don't know about Valencia. I don't know that that gives you the same thing. Again, at that point, you've also just kind of relegated Josie Altador to being a second choice, or I don't know if you're going to run. The I don't think he's a second him. choice. He's a four, in a four-four-two, which Vanny's been going to. Now you have. Two really great physical players, and as much as you know, people probably don't want to admit it. It would probably be better if Altador played more of that typical, you know, um, almost quasi false nine role, to where he's not trying to run past defenders. You know, maybe he can stretch the field on a few occasions, but give that to somebody else and let him to kind of sit, drop back a little bit more, and just spray balls. You know, he's I, a really good passer. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. Well, you know, you don't have to. <laughs> don't trade Javika Toronto. Don't be silly. Um, I, I I understand that there's intrinsic value or in the in the idea of like selling a player the year before he starts to decline, not not the year after, and and maybe that's what they're thinking and what they're looking at. Um, I think that would be a uh, tremendous shift from Toronto, and I don't think it would be as seamless as a lot of people are, are making it out to be. Um, that being said, we don't know how these things go, you know, and uh, maybe Ender Valencia is the next great MLS striker. I, I have some qualms and some reservations about that, but we would find out. I don't think this happens for what it's worth. I, I think that... Probably not. I think Although they'll negotiate I would, for a lower I, number and, and, and everyone will just kind of move on slightly less than happy and, and they'll continue to be a very, very good MLS team. I would, I would not be surprised if they sold him in the off season, but I don't, I can't see Toronto selling him mid season like this. Yeah, especially kind of where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, no. All right. We have done more hypothetical stuff again. We're getting so hypothetical in these shows now. Um, we've got something we teased last week. We got a little bit of time, and uh, maybe we'll need more time. Come back to it next week, but. Speaking of all these DPs, we got salary numbers, and I know there's nothing that we like to do better than to uh, judge how much teams have decided to pay players and come up with ways that we think that we would have done a better job. Um, so, uh, looking overall at the salary rankings, um, uh, you know, 249 million, uh, almost 250 for the league overall. Toronto obviously. Uh, well in the lead with 26 million. LA Galaxy behind them with seven. God, what is LA? Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, yeah. Big drops in this list are from uh, NYCFC, who have uh, you know no longer uh, subsidizing Andrea Pirlo, uh, down to 14 million. Um, <laughs> Orlando it trapped even like Orlando was one of the higher teams last year. Now that they don't have to pay Kaká, they're down to eight million, and their team's a lot better. So great job, Orlando. Um, and I could say the same thing, I think, about NYCFC. Um, Chicago sort of high up here at 13. Uh, Atlanta at 11 million. Uh, I think that's a little misleading because they spend a lot of money on transfer fees. It's kind of where most of their money goes. Um, so I don't want to make them out to be like a money ball style club here or anything like that. But uh, LAFC mostly into Vela at 13 million. Uh, Montreal still pretty high at 11 million, 800. Most of these. Most teams kind of falling in this eight to eleven million. Uh, the interesting lowball teams here are uh, New York Red Bulls, who consistently are excellent uh, and doing it for seven point six million. Uh, Columbus six point nine million. New England six point eight million. DC six point seven. How about Houston five point six? And one of the better teams in the league according to our underlying metrics. Uh, anything kind of jump out at you here? Well, yeah, so you just mentioned Houston, but not just Houston, but Houston and Columbus and New York Red Bulls all in the bottom third of as far as, or in the bottom five of salaries. Five, yeah. 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 So those, those three teams, it, it's, it, it's not necessarily about looking at the designated players and trying to judge, you know, who brought in what players, you know, there, there's always this, um, this conversation to be had about the quality of designated players and look, different teams can afford different DPs. That's just, mm. that's just a fact, but what you do under budget matters in this league. Oh, it absolutely, absolutely yeah. matters. So this is kind of my qualm right now with people saying, well, you can't judge Ernie Stewart because, you know, Ernie Stewart being the, the quote unquote front runner, obviously for the U S uh, soccer Federation GM job. And, yeah. you know, I have a lot of hesitation with uh, as someone that supports the U.S. national team that he would be hired into that spot with the job that he's done in Philadelphia, not trying to attract, you know, uh, Dokal or any of the other um, designated players that they've signed. You know, he's done a good job of keeping Sapong, although I don't really know where Sapong, if Sapong had any inter interest in going abroad. Right. Um, but he, he did resign him. It feels like on multiple occasions he tried to replace him. And I don't, I don't think that his like economic performance is really a like-for-like -like thing that's a concern in that job. I think that they kind of like to see his philosophy. I think they like to see the fact that he's been very, very open about giving young players a chance. I, I think that has more to do with it than his. I, I, I suppose that does, but if you look at the, the players that he's brought in, that... Uh, 
well, at, this, not... at this in the same league. Like, forget about TAM players, right? Yeah, but this is like TAM for players a... are TAM players, and and that's that's when you start playing with different uh, with ownership <laughs> money, and there's a lot of different things that come in. Look at the players that he's brought in that are just. At, under the the cap that are being handled with their salaries being handled by the league. The, well, he's not, but in this role, he wouldn't be buying players. Like he's just okay, but he'd be managing them, and it, obviously, I think it speaks to his eye for talent. But he, okay, we'll save Ernie Stewart. You okay? No, we we, we can talk about GM this for going forward. Day. But uh, and to my point, I you're do want to get into it. Yes, you have to maximize the amount of money. This is why I've been such a proponent of Will Bruin. Will Bruin allows, uh, he comes in under um, the TAM amount. I don't think that there's but maybe two or three players that uh, start in a forward or striking role that come in under TAM. Yeah. Like that's that. What that enables Seattle to do is just completely mind-boggling, and you know they're obviously going to have to take advantage of that going forward. But well, yeah, the it, thing they're going to do is business. replace him. We're 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 fighting. This is a fight. No, but they uh, are. They're they're going to go get somebody to play Will Bruin's position with all this money they saved on Will Bruin. That's just what Seattle's going to do this summer. Well, that's what they're they're yes. going to have to do as a result of yes. a lot of things. But that's neither here nor there, right? All right. The point is you have – and you can even point back to last year and why Seattle was effective. It was because they spent on um, outside wingers. They they found creative players. They invested in you know Victor Rodriguez, uh, Nico Ladero, uh, Calvin Leardam, they're able to pay their defensive line and their back line was one of the best. Um, Portland's doing something kind of similar. Uh, they're, they're buying, um, they've managed to kind of invest in a lot of cheap wingers. Um, some which are, you know, have some propensity uh, to be good or at least project to be somewhat good. Although I think a lot of people are still kind of on the fence with that and they've leveraged that into being able to pay for stuff that they really they really want. They've kept Diego Valeri. They've managed to uh, keep uh, Fernando Adi. Um, you know the I yeah the big the difference makers and and people want to talk about the stratification of where MLS is going. Yeah, it's not necessarily with how much you spend, and I, and that will be a thing. That's going to be that's going to end up being where MLS trends to. However, we're still very much in a salary cap league, and it's very much about how much you get out of it. Columbus and Houston are prime examples, and, and vice versa, the yeah. Galaxy. Yeah, let's straight. Yeah, okay. To to that wit, uh, you know, it's the one thing that really struck me looking at these numbers this year was just how much it is important to maximize your your payroll dollars. Um, you know, in this, like you said, the salary cap league, it's crucial, and just how awful some of these teams seem to be at it. Like Chicago, Chicago. Look at Colorado. This is horrible. Eleven million on that roster. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, I, there, there's, there's. Yeah, LA Galaxy. Oh. I, I keep wanting to give Col- extend Colorado some sort of grace. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm really hitting the bottom of the barrel yeah. with with how far I can really extend them the opportunities. Like this just does not look good. And the one thing that I can say is they haven't committed to anything. And so I suppose that it gives them the financial flexibility going forward to where they threw a bunch of stuff up against a wall and were like, well, we'll see what fits, what what kind of sticks. Yeah. Honestly, nothing stuck. Like this nothing. has been a, like you I don't you forgot to wet the pasta yeah. before you threw it up against the wall. <laughs> yeah, it like, just all I, fell back down and broke. Yeah, and, and look, you know I'm a big fan of their front office hires. Um they they've gone and done some really interesting things when it comes to that um, from that perspective but that's not led to any process improvements like we've not seen any better decision making before we go we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute Uh, we're going to go a little bit long today because I do want to get to this we made this uh, or well you made this 
I, I looked at it, which is not the same thing. Uh, you came up with this interesting uh, top 30 best buys per dollar spent uh, per expected goal. And uh, yeah, this is a really interesting list. So I, I think it would be kind of fun to share. Uh, do you want to like count it down from 30 back to one or? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I didn't, mean, right. I didn't mean to. I just threw 30 up there because there's so many good ones that I yeah. wanted to well, include. We'll not, we'll not talk a lot about all these for each two. But anyway, uh, $82,243.11, Christian Martinez. At $80,470.46, Alex Roldan, $78,916. Ben Spencer, $76,298. Hanwala Buana, $72,132. Lala Sabubakar, $71,469. Look at that. Jazzy's artist. Steal of a deal. Well, I mean, right there, you just rattled off three Columbus crew players. Yes, we did. That have been crucial. And that kind of points to exactly, I mean, uh, Christian Ramir- uh, Martinez has been on that team for and Abubakar was even drafted last year. Yeah. So, I mean, this just shows you the institution that Columbus has. Yeah. Uh, after that, we've got uh, Enzo Martinez, uh, Mimo Rodriguez, Marco Urena, uh, who's a very popular player right now in the, in the MLS punditry circles, and yes. deservedly so. Uh, Chris Mueller uh, at Orlando, been a very interesting player. Dominique Baji, Mauro Manotas, two very good young strikers who happen to be on my fantasy team not scoring goals. Uh, Jay Chapman, <laughs> Aaron Long, <laughs> Teal Bunbury uh, is at 58,910. Uh, Jack McBean at 57,160. I wouldn't have expected to see Jack McBean on any list. Well, I mean, uh, granted, like this wasn't necessarily taken into account how many minutes played. Yeah, it was just purely yeah. dollar per expected goal. These are um, raw, raw numbers. So, yeah, uh, so this is raw numbers. Obviously, I don't think Jack McBean and, and Teal Bunbury are worth, you know, weighted the same. Uh, you know. No, yeah, I'd, I'd take Teal Bunbury at 58 <laughs> for Jack McBean at 57 any day. Uh, Mark Anthony K, 48761 Diego Fagundas, $44,418. I love Diego Fagundas. Diego Campos at $43,405.16. Elliot Collier uh, at $38K. Derek Etienne also at $38K. Nico Hansen, another one of those crew players, $38K. One of my favorite new guys this year that's just kind of a breakout player. Florian Velo, 35 Those Red Bulls, man. Uh, Raheem, they know how to pick them. They do. Raheem Edwards, 32,523. Corey Baird, interesting player. Uh, Another guy we've talked about a lot here uh, just because he plays for RSL. But uh, I think RSL fans and, and front office management have every reason to be very, very pleased with his production. Well, everybody keeps pointing the finger at uh, Chris Mueller, and and by no means am I trying to you know say Mueller's had a bad season. He's unexpectedly thrusted himself into that lineup. Um, mm-hmm. He's been very good in the in his moments, but Corey Baird has been uh, arguably better at every stretch, oh, right. and I the fact so, that yeah. he's basically overtaken um, that starting job. Not just like he wasn't even on the radar. It's not like Orlando threw lots up against the wall and they had some really good successes with that, at least from my perspective. Um, RSL really kind of lucked into this. Yeah. Uh, going forward here, we are into our uh, top uh, five players uh, on this list. Uh, Kyrie Shelton, uh, $27,088.58. I know you're a big fan of Kyrie Shelton, and I know that a lot of SKC fans are not, and I think a lot of those SKC fans are going to be proven very, very wrong here in the next year or two. Yeah, I think I think Kyrie Shelton is only going to get better. And, you know, he scored this past weekend, and I know that they, they feel a little bit frustrated because they dropped points in despite uh, him finally scoring a goal. But really, this is such a process. And when you start looking at where Sporting Kansas City is taking their shots, <laughs> majoritively, they're going to score in bunches. And I said this at the beginning of the season. I, I think you and I both said this because they're just taking – huge volumes but huge volumes of low probability shots and that's going to you're going to hit some valleys and you're going to hit some mountaintops and there's going to be some rides in between and that that just comes with it uh, i i'm a huge fan of Kyrie shelton i want them to stick with it i think that he's going to show them uh how good he is here within the next year or so all right moving on number four jordan hamilton twenty six thousand five hundred and seventy dollars forty two cents um I like Jordan Hamilton. I, th- I think he's a good player. I think he's 
probably high on this list more due to uh, kind of minutes and uh, circumstance. Well, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you got to think of the other side of it. Uh, he's had quite a few being on that, uh, you know. True, because he was part of that whole C team, team thing yeah. that had to play with. Yeah, true the thing. Well, that's more. That's higher than I would expect to see Jordan Hamilton. So. Another bright prospect for Toronto. Number two, Latif Blessing, $24,997.52. When we talked about the expansion draft last year, we said that the two steals were Marco Urena and Latif Blessing. And it looks like we were right about that. Those are two uh, very interesting, uh, important players for LAFC. Uh, Former SKC guy. Uh, So we've got in our top five, we have an SKC guy, a former SKC guy, and number one, a current SKC guy, Daniel Shalloway, uh, $23,557.88. I'm really intrigued by Daniel Shalloway. Yes, uh, very much. I, I'm more intrigued in where does he actually fit um, than anything. I feel like there's about three different positions that he could really be rotated. And maybe that just speaks to his flexibility. Maybe that speaks to my lack of uh, ability to analyze <laughs> players correctly. He's, he, I'm not sure if he's best as a winger, uh, best as kind of a, a nine, or if he needs to be a little bit more uh, in that 10 role. i yeah, really not sure. It's going to be a fox in the box. Fox in the box. Fox in the box. Uh, so that is our top 30 players. We will try to put this list somewhere. Probably not in a tweet or anything like that because it would be hard to read. But maybe we'll post it on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com uh, just just for the with the show description. I think we, we could do that, right? Yeah, you're going to make me do that, aren't you? I am going to make you do that. Okay. Yeah. So Harrison will do that. Uh, all right, guys. That's it. Uh, we are done. One hour, one minute. We only went one minute over despite our long, uh, much longer than expected uh, conversation on Ignacio Piatti. Uh, Dissertation. Dissertation, if you will. We're going to be back next week, uh, probably talking about um, maybe Ernie Stewart. I kind of liked where that conversation was going. Uh, We are, um, that's it. Yeah, okay, sorry. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Ian. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian, uh, or on the weekends if you'd like to see Match Day guests and commentary. You can find my work at Total MLS. Uh, Harrison can be found on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, make sure to follow uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter at Analysis Evolved, and visit our website www.americansocceranalysis.com. Uh, we got lots of content going up there. We've had three articles already this week. Um, I loved one about the uh, just the rise of Graham Zuzzi and what an important player he's been for Sporting Kansas City. Um, we should probably talk a lot of Sporting Kansas City next week, I think. We, we, we should. We they, should. They, they definitely deserve our attention. They do deserve our attention at this point. Um, you know, uh, we got stuff from Harrison going up, stuff from me going up. Uh, Eric Walcott, who supplied our interesting style of the week, which you can do. Tweet us out. Uh, analysis of all. Um, That's it. Thanks again for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week. And until then, enjoy the soccer.